Hello, everybody, and welcome to our first ever podcast, Golf versus Golf. We're here to discuss, debate, and analyze everything in the world of golf and disc golf. I am your co-host, Charlie Tinsley. With me in studio are our other co-hosts, Aaron Bellini and Anthony Bellini. How you doing today, fellas? Doing well. Doing well. I'm doing good as well. Awesome. How was y'all's day today? It was good. Um, got a lot done today. We've been working on the house, so I hear you. Got a lot done. I worked today as well, <clears throat> and I work at a golf course. Work at a golf course. Well, that makes sense, seeing that our podcast, Golf versus Golf, is dealing with golf in the traditional sense, ball club, all that, and disc golf. Um, one of the reasons we wanted to do that is to kind of bridge these two sports. Um, I am the I personally am a, a disc golfer. I'm in the disc golf world, and I get to see a lot of get to meet a lot of new people through tournaments and stuff. It's amazing to me how many people got their start in golf in traditional golf. And uh, Aaron and Anthony are both pretty avid golfers. Would you say? Well, well, Anthony's an avid golfer now. Aaron, not as much anymore. Anthony plays every day. Anthony does, play, but he works there, so that's fair. I mean, you're right. That's fair. I do play more golf than I probably should. Let's put it there. I, I would say we probably all play more golf than we should. Yeah. Well, I do have a full-time job, so I play – I play. my wife's good about letting me play most of the time when I want to. So, Shout out. Shout out to the wife there. All right, so this – just a little bit about this podcast. We're wanting to just kind of take some time – if there are people out there that are both golfers and disc golfers, if there's some that's maybe interested in one or the other, we want to just kind of inform, have a place, a podcast where you can come, get some information about both, talk about both, and um, we're excited about it. We have literally got this thing together in about 24 hours. Yes, absolutely. We have been wanting to do something on some kind of media platform, whether YouTube or whatever, and this just kind of was the best option. We have the equipment here. Shout out to Brandon Wilson, who is – holding things down in the, I guess, the makeshift sound room, making sure we all sound pretty and, and good and everything like that. So thank you, Brandon. So when we talk about golf, okay, and, and first, Aaron, real quick, and we're going to get into the history of each sport a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about each sport. But, Aaron, go – you don't – as detailed as you want to, what is your kind of journey when it comes to the sport of, of golf? Um, like personally, like w like when did you start playing? When or you know what? Literally, I'm trying to think. The, like the the earliest memories of ever playing golf is going to Marion Lake Club in Nebo with my dad and playing Captain's Choice tournaments. Yeah. Now we're blessed. We're blessed to live here in North Carolina in the mountain, the western part with the mountain. So we have some beautiful courses. And we have a lot of courses, really. Yes, I, I think about where I grew up in South Carolina. I don't think there was one in the county. So y'all have – you've had that availability to play. So you grew up kind of playing with your dad, playing – when when would you say you got serious, like like you were playing a lot? When I started working at a golf course. When you started working at a golf yeah, course. I played every day. Okay, played every day. At least – okay, I won't say I played every day. I hit balls every day. Hit balls every day. Yeah. All right, Anthony. How about you? I guess I guess similar. Yeah, started. It's, the, it's the same. I remember we would we went with Dad and played Captain's Choice, and then we used to stay the night with my grandmother. Shout out to Granny. Um, 
and her our grandpa was alive at that time, and him and my great uncle used to go play every Tuesday, I think. And when we happened to be over there one Tuesday, and they're like, "Y'all want to go?" And we're like, "Yeah." So we went. And you got bit by the bug. I did. Well, all of our great uncles, dad, uncles, everybody played golf. So it was in us. If we ever went one time, we would have got hooked. So we did. And I would say it was probably around, we were probably seven or eight when that first started. So about as early as you can, you've been playing golf. Legitimately, like for them not to go and just have to chase us around the golf course. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah, now, we was literally so small that there's a hole, there's a par five that from the red tees, we couldn't knock it over the water. Yeah. So we teed up in front of it. It's how little we were. Now, so. in no way are we saying we're experts or professionals. Uh, Anthony is trying – Anthony's trying to get his pro card. He works at the course. Um, just barely missed it this last time. I did. How many strokes? Three. Three strokes. Thanks He's for bringing only, that up, Charlie. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Sure. But, you know, it is what it is. So, we're not experts at podcasting, at golf, at disc golf, any of this. But we do want to give you a little bit of backstory um, because it's such an interesting dynamic. Now, me personally, when it comes to disc golf, I did not grow up here in North Carolina. Like I said, I grew up in uh, South Carolina, and I do not remember a golf course in the county. had no family play or anything. Didn't play golf. I played mostly just team sports. And we actually all played teen sports together when I moved up here to North Carolina. But I started disc golf, uh, disc golf in high school. I had a teacher, um, Sarah Cunningham. She was my physics teacher. Turns out she ended up winning a world championship. She's a great disc golfer. And um, she had a club at the school. And I was very fortunate. We had a good course there in uh, Easley, South Carolina. And she started a club, and we went and we would play I got hooked just like y'all. Once I played, I was in it, and I was in it good, and we played tournaments, things like that. Now I move up to North Carolina my senior year. That's when I meet y'all. We become friends, and I'm going to be honest, there wasn't a disc golf course up here, but what there was was golf, and y'all kind of got me started in golf, and I do like golf. I I play it when I can, but in, if I were to pick one, the one I play, the one I put time towards – is disc golf. I'll probably play golf once or twice a year now. So, if I understood that correctly, did you ever play golf before you moved here? Not one time. Honestly, growing up, in my mind, we were kind of on the lower end of middle class. Golf kind of seemed like something that rich, wealthy people did, like in a country club. And honestly, so, in disc golf to me was hiking in the woods with a Frisbee. So, I... Which you now know that... Golf, you can literally you, – you play for what you pay for. Absolutely. You know, the course, you can pay $15 to play 18 holes or you can pay 500 So, and, you know, that I think golf has always had that perception that, like, it's just way too expensive. Now, it does get expensive. It can get very expensive playing. But, I, I mean, I get where you get that because a lot of people think that. No, you're right. And, and I do like golf. I remember – and we were fortunate – at the Lake Club, we would be we'd be young, and the the guy there, the owner there, or not the owner, but the club pro, he knew we didn't have much money, and we would walk. We would, you know, we would walk the front nine, and sometimes we would maybe, you know, make enough money to get a cart for the front nine, and he'd let us use it on the back nine. And it really, it can be inexpensive. Um, one of the things I do like about disc golf is how inexpensive it is. 
you just don't, you're not going to, the equipment's not as expensive to play. A lot of them are public courses. Now there's private courses coming out, but the pub, um, it's not very expensive at all. So there's a little bit of our background, how we got into each one. Yeah. Let me add this first. I'm going to tailgate off that if that's the right word. Yeah. You can, you can put as much money into golf as you want. Right. If you wanted to actually just play golf, you could go to a pawn shop and spend $25 on an old set of clubs and you could play. Right. If you want to get if you're going to get serious about it, then you will probably end up spending a whole lot of money. But you don't have to spend a lot of money. Right. Now let me ask you this. At your at the golf course you work at, if I were to come and I just wanted to say walk nine holes, which you would not want to walk at your golf course. No. Highly elevated all kinds of stuff. But if you wanted to walk, how much are you going to spend for nine holes? $18. $18. So not, not the end of the world. If you want to play golf, you can play golf. Also now they got things like top golf, super fun driving ranges you can go to. So anyway, that's kind of our journey. Now the interesting thing about us is that we, in this podcast is we're going to talk about each one, but I get the kind of interview these guys about golf. Um, from a point of view that really doesn't know as much as most golfers would know. And then they get to interview me and kind of ask me questions about disc golf. And I know Anthony probably knows a little more. Aaron, have you ever played? Have you ever played disc golf? I've played with you. You played with me, like what, one time? You and Jonathan You in South Carolina. We played one time. Do we even play a full round? I I don't think we played a full round. Okay. Now, Anthony, you played a couple rounds, right? I did. All right. And both these fellas are they they kind of want to, you know, dip their toes in the water of disc golf as well. Um, maybe not be as serious about it as maybe me or some others. But it's interesting that we have have this group here and that we get to talk about it. Now, if I were to come to you and I were to say, Aaron, what what is golf? Where did golf start? Just give me, like, from the beginning, where did golf start? What's going on with golf? So, actually, golf was actually invented in 1457. Which is crazy. Yeah, that's an old sport in Scotland. Um, now, uh, there's a there's a fun fact about golf. Um, you know, of course, I, I would imagine a lot of people know that golf started in Scotland. What they probably don't know is in 1457, and not somewhere in between 1457 and 1744, which is what almost 300 years. Yeah, golf was banned three times in Scotland. The sport of golf was sport of golf you because the play. government thought that it was going to interfere with military training, wow. which, which is crazy. Um, and then, actually, golf doesn't come on the scene in the United States until 329 years later. Right. In 1786. Right. You would think – now, it may not have – you know, I would imagine it's probably not that big of a sport, but I don't – you know, I've not looked at any other sports. But that's a long time. No, that I mean, it, I would say – and I like you said, I know soccer's super old and – where it began, it gets cloudy on the actual start, like any other sport, really. But I get that's an old sport. It's been around a long time. And I'll tell you this. You're going to like this. When it came to America, it come to Charleston, South Carolina. Really? If it, A lot of y'all probably don't know because you don't. You don't know Charlie. But he's actually born in South Carolina. I know we talked about easily earlier. So I figured you'd like that part, that it was from South Carolina – um, when it actually made its first scenes on the United States soil, which was which was pretty interesting to me. All right, so I got a question for both of y'all. The very first golf ball, do y'all know what it was? I do. Like what what it was made out yes. of? 
I do. I'm going to let you go. Do you just want me to guess? I mean, if you don't, I mean, guess. I want to say I do not know, but I want to say it was made out of some kind of probably something from an animal. Okay. Am I am I am I right? No. Okay. Never mind. It was feathers. No. The it, very first one was wood. We wood have golf ball. The golf course I work at, we have the the 1400s, and it goes up every time they change the golf ball. We got like five different ones, and it goes up to the modern one. So it's a wooden one, no dimples, nothing. It's just a wooden ball. I bet that didn't go very far. Probably not. So that's another little fun fact. Probably as far as I hit it today. And then the other one, they they like two centuries, centuries maybe, I don't know how long apart, but there is another one that we have that's not even perfectly round. It looks like a, I don't even know what it looks like. It's like, like flat on two sides. Oh, wow. So I've actually seen, um, I follow Rick Shields. He was also a podcaster, YouTuber, all this stuff. And he actually played with one of those balls. And he hits a, he hits a normal golf ball, Tyler's Pro V1. He hits it 280 on the fly. With a driver on that wooden golf ball, I bet he didn't hit it 100 yards. Yeah. For all you disc golfers, listen, when, he's, when they're referencing distance, 280 is 280 yards. I'm sure most of y'all do that. I just don't want to take it for granted um, when we, we kind of deal with feet. So, brief. there's a brief history – um, that's pretty interesting. All right, Charlie. Well, I'm I'm going to ask you some questions here about disc golf. Okay. Um, first of all, where did let's let's let Charlie explain if he know where it started, how it started. Do you know the history of disc? So golf? yeah, d- somewhat. The okay, disc golf right now the governing body is called the PDGA, like y'all have in golf the PGA. Uh, prof- Professional Golfers Association. It's the PDGA, Professional Disc Golfers Association. The very f- now, they have been playing some type of frisbee golf since I believe the '60s. And and if some are listening and you're like, no, it's not that, I get it. I'm just kind of giving you very brief. I think the the kind of guy who's known as the father, if you will, of disc golf, his name's Steady Ed Hendrick. All right, um, Steady Ed kind of invented the game, kind of started with the PDGA and all that stuff, and he's the PDGA number zero zero one. Okay, so very first, and I believe that was in the early to mid seventies. Now, before that, they had object golf. I think some, which is you're just throwing a frisbee towards a, a pole. And a lot of the earlier courses are like were like that. You have a pe- a stake in the ground, and you're literally throwing a frisbee, not a disc, a frisbee, to that object. Sometimes they would mark a tree, whatever it was. And so you kind of had that from an early age where it kind of becomes standardized a little bit is in the 70s. And it was with Steady Ed and the PDGA. And then they started, um, they started, I believe, the first ever kind of self-start out of disc golf was the DGA. And then you had Innova come along and they made some, you know, more compact, what we would call disc and if and if you haven't, there's there's a big difference in what you, if you've thrown a frisbee on the beach, okay? For those you know golfers or people that don't have, there's a difference between a frisbee. It's much uh, wider and uh, a bigger disc and a bigger frisbee. A disc is a lot more compact, and they do all kinds of things. And we'll get into that later. But the disc comes around through the 80s and 90s, and here it's really picked up steam uh, throughout. COVID, really, COVID, COVID, they put a boom in disc golf where it used to be a fringe sport and now it's a main, it's become a mainstream sport to the point where you have professional players signing million dollar contracts. 
So it is not just, hey, let's go, you know, throw a Frisbee out in the woods. There's a legitimate market, not just a market, a legitimate league, the pro tour that's out there. And you have people making money. You have outside sponsors coming in. It's been a neat growth to see a sport, not as old as golf, um, by no means, not as mainstream as golf, but still one of the fastest growing sports in America. Super fun to play. Yeah. So, you know, as a, as a non disc golfer, uh, you know, I've played some, you're, you're saying that the difference in a Frisbee and a actual disc golf is like ridiculous. Like as far as they, a Frisbee will not go nowhere near as far as a driver in disc golf. I can I, I cannot say that like when you're talking about world records. I can say for me an average golfer, an average or excuse me, average disc golfer, I can throw a disc golf frisbee, depending on the frisbee, a lot far, further. There it there's somewhat of the same motion, but there's a lot of differences in it. So but I would imagine I would imagine if they didn't just stick with a frisbee, then what you have now is a lot better than an actual frisbee. Yes, as far as what you're trying to do, land it places Frisbee's for catching. Think about that. Frisbee is for me and you throw back and forth catching. A disc is not meant to catch. And from what I know about it, it's a whole lot more stable through the air. Absolutely. You throw a Frisbee through the air and the wind's blowing, and it can go nowhere. Yeah, and that's, that's the word we use, stable. Stable, you know, overstable, understable. Those are some of the words used, the jargon used in the disc but golf community. Do you know, Charlie, I, I'm assuming that he just mocked golf. Like he's like, Let's take golf and just kind of turn it into disc golf, but use some of the same principles as real golf. Yeah. Because it's close. Yeah. I would say that, of, of course, there'd be some imitation. But, like, if you want to get down to that, what sport doesn't imitate other sports in right. a way? You know, I mean, does basketball imitate, you know, soccer? You're, there's two teams playing getting it into the go. I mean, so yeah, you can say that and they are close related. One of the reasons we're doing the podcast, but yeah, I would say there was definitely some, okay, let's use the principles in golf to build this sport where we're throwing a, throwing a disc around. All right, Charlie. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a few questions here. Um, so in your disc jaw, disc golf journey, um, what is your best score in relation to par? That, that is, completely dependent on the course okay now i'll say this i have shot okay in golf in disc golf and you have what is called a rating and the rating is based on if you go to a tournament let let me explain how ratings work if you go to a tournament and let's say there's a guy who's a pro who's a thousand rated okay and this is very there's a lot more math and stuff but this is the essence of if if that guy is a thousand rated golfer and he shoots, let's say five under on this particular course. That means now, of course, there's a lot of variation and things in this. That mean that would estimate around five under is a thousand rated round. But now what you're doing is you're throwing a hundred people into a round and you're taking into account all of their ratings and what they shoot. And there's math that goes into it. I'm not, I don't know the formulas and stuff, but so rating is depending on how you do comparison to the other people on that course. Does that make sense? Is it kind of like a handicap would be in golf? Uh, yeah. Kind of like a handicap, except it's more based on the players playing that day than the actual, you know, course or relative to par. Okay. So, you know, some courses you go and you shoot even par and it might be 850 rated. And then some courses you go and a certain tournament, you go to a course 
and it's a much harder course, and even par might be 950 rated. There could be a 100-point variation there. Um, me personally, it don't matter. Nobody cares, but I think I've shot a 970 rated round. My rating right now is probably, I don't know, 915. A lot of people are laughing. But, you know, as a dad that works a full-time job, I'm, you know, played a while. But So when you, when you say – the highest rating or the highest rated player there. Let's say there's 50 people in one tournament at this particular course. Okay. And there's a guy and he's a he's rated 1,000. Right. Just for example. That means that let's say you – what's your rating? I'm uh, like 915, something So like if you're that. at 915, you have to do better than that guy by – a certain amount to beat him or he's got to do essentially. And then, yeah. Yeah. So no, now we would, if we're competing against each other, we're still, you know, the handicaps not, if, if I'm in a division where I'm playing a guy who's a thousand rated. Okay. If I'm playing like a pro, a pro division, if we both, if I shoot one under and he shoots even, I beat him regardless but what I'm talking about is the ratings, which have nothing to do with winning the tournament. It just kind of rates you as a player. I'll be honest, there's a lot of disc golfers that don't r- like ratings at all. There's some – I personally, I like them. It kind of gives me a stand-in. It gives me something to shoot for. This past tournament, I was out of contention, but I still kind of wanted to bump my rating up. So I know I needed to shoot well. So I kind of like the ratings. There's a lot of debate in the disc golf world if ratings are essential, if they're needed. I, I, I enjoy them. Yep. So – you're a 915 or whatever you said you was. Are you going to play in a tournament where there's a guy that's a 300? I don't know if it gets that low. I'm going to be okay, honest. Okay, then the lowest. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. So it's they, separated they, by so, – so that is the good thing about ratings. It separates you division. So you have like a, okay. a rec, which is like to – you've got to be under 900 to compete in rec. So it kind of caps you off where you should be playing. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to ask you some questions um, because we haven't got – well, we did get to that one. Um, so right now, what is your go-to disc? Like if you know you have to hit the – do you all call it fairways? Is it fairways? Yeah, fairways. Okay. So if you know you've got to hit it in the fairway, throw it in the fairway, what is it right now that you go to? Yeah, so this is, this is a difficult question. It, it's all depending on what the shape of the hole is. Okay, certain disc, if, if you're throwing a disc right – righty backhand like this uh some of the discs are going to bail out they're going to be overstable and they finish left pretty hard some of them will turn over to the right and some of them will make an s curve it just depends if there's a disc that if i'm on a wooded course okay if i'm on a wooded course with tight fairways there's all kind of you know i'm going to depend on a slower disc probably like a mid-range depending once again depending on the length of it and stuff like that so so when i get there i'm probably a lot of times, want to throw some kind of mid-range, maybe like a rock, a buzz, a, a, a mako, or something like that. So that's kind of when you're playing the sport of disc golf, and that's kind of where we got to. When you're playing the sport of disc golf, I step up to the tee, okay. And, and I'm going to get your perspective when you are playing golf. When I step up to a tee, a tee pad, you're throwing from a either concrete turf, some kind of starting point called a tee pad. I'm looking at a few things. Number one, I'm looking at distance. How far is it? Okay, I'm looking at the gap. A lot of people think it's just throwing between two trees. Like if I have two trees 30 feet apart, the basket's in between, I got to throw, I got to hit that gap. There's so much more to it than that. Where is the disc going to land? How fast is the disc? Is it going to skip when it hits? 
is there a low ceiling, meaning is there branches hindering my discs to get up in that airspace or do I have to stay under it? So I would throw different discs depending on that. There's a lot that goes into it. Disc golf works just like golf. It's me getting the disc from the tee pad and as less strokes as I can to the basket. And however I need to do it, whatever disc, if I need to throw backhand, sidearm, overhand, whatever it might be, different, you know, different people do different things. So that's kind of how disc golf is played. Look at it, determine what disc I need to throw, what's the best shot for this particular hole. So which brings up the question, in your opinion, which is harder to play? Disc golf or golf? I didn't think we were going to debate tonight, but this is why we have a podcast. I think, I honestly, in golf, you have more variables. And what I mean by that is you have more equipment. In disc golf, it's my hand connected to a disc that is flying through the air. So you could say in a way – yeah, disc golf's easier be easier to pick up or easier to learn because it's just me and one piece of equipment. Where in golf, you have a club, you have a ball. You're hitting this club. You're hitting. Excuse me. You're hitting the ball with the club. There's a lot of there's a lot of variables there that are not human. You're holding the club. What would you say? Two and a half feet away from where you're wanting the club to hit the ball. And I just think when it comes to that, golf is going to be harder. Disc golf. To pick up, but when you get to the top pro ranks and you see the distance they got to throw, you see the holes and the shapes they got to make with the disc. And I know they got to make shapes with the golf ball as well. But when you see those shapes, when you get to the pro level, it's hard to win, just like at any other sport. Now, I'll say this golf is a wide open fairway. Disc golf, you can get in some tight, tight fairways where you're hitting very, very tight, maybe 10 foot gaps you have to hit. So I think there's something to be said with the courses and how hard it is and some of the distance that, you know, they have. You say wide open fairway. Not necessarily. We got bunkers. You got water you have to get over. You have a lot of stuff, like, in the fairway. It's not just always an open fairway. And I get what you're saying. Um, and and I, would, I would agree. I, I personally think disc golf is harder. And ju that's just because I've not really played it as much. As regular golf. What, you, what say you, Anthony? So, here's my whole perspective on it. And I'm not – I don't want anybody to think that I'm putting down disc golf. But what I'm going to piggyback on what Charlie said, You, I don't think you have to have hand-eye coordination to play disc golf. You have to have some hand-eye coordination to play golf because you're hitting something. Like, same way with baseball – if you don't have no hand-eye coordination, you're not going to hit a baseball. Now, I guess you could work at it to get better at it, but a three-year-old can throw a disc without having to think about it. They just throw everything. Now, again, I'm not saying I, I get what you're saying. that it's easier. Right. I'm just saying there's not as much involved as what I'm just saying what Charlie said. But And to play the devil's advocate here, and just for argument's sake – this is this would be my counter, okay? And I and I probably agree. Golf's probably harder to pick up. Just the, just the motion of swinging a golf club hitting a golf ball. But in disc golf, it's all relative to where I'm getting it to, right? Where am I getting the ball to? Okay, there's not one fairway that we play. Maybe on tour, there's not one fairway that's not at least how wide. Think about a golf fairway. Think about that. Let me. I'll do it this way. 
what is... Are we talking about just the actual fairway? The fairway that you got to hit, the intent of where you're wanting that ball to go. All right, so not, not counting rough. Okay. Yeah, not counting rough. Not counting rough. We'll do not I count. mean, are we, now, did you say tour level or not? No, average. Let's do average. Let's do I don't the golf many, course I'm at. Okay, golf course you're at. There's probably not a fairway in width any smaller than – I'm going to say 30. 30, 30. 35 yards. 35 yards. Yards. 35 yards. Okay. So you have, yes, you have that motion of you swinging a club, hitting the ball, but you have 30 yards to land it. Where you're talking about, I'm, t- I'm telling you guys, 10 feet. Maybe, and, and I'm sure there's going to be some, oh, well, I, I play courses. You need to go up to the Charlotte area where courses, you know, there there isn't a line. So, yes, the idea that, it's harder to – it takes maybe more hand-eye coordination to swing a club and then hit something than just throw something. I get that. But it's all relative to what you're throwing to. And, I, and I'll end it there. I get – I could get both sides of the argument. Um, but then again, you go to – and some of it depends on the course. You tell me that I'm going to go play a wide-open course where there's the rough's not bad, it's wide open in golf, or you tell me go play disc golf at one of the hardest tour-level wooded courses we have, you know, in the world. I'm going to say – Golf's easier than disc golf, man. It's all relative to where you're at, where you're playing, what you're trying to do. All right, I'm going to give you one last question. We can do this one pretty quickly. Um, so when you're preparing for a tournament, okay, how do you prepare for it? You know, in, in, in golf, we have a driving range. We can sit there and just hit golf balls all day long. Um, you know, in disc golf, you probably have a limited number of discs you can throw before you have to go get them. So when you're, when you're preparing for a tournament, how do you practice? How do you get ready? Yeah, you just learn to go get your disc. Let me let me side let me side step here. Losing a disc and losing a golf ball are two. I, the only way I could get you to understand it in your head is you losing a golf club, right? Lose some of these people. I have seen I have seen some people do the most crazy things to try to get a disc back. And I get it. You learn there's so many unique flight patterns to your disc, right? When you're throwing a disc, there's so many different ways you can throw a disc and things that discs do, and you get used to one. It's like getting used to your Scotty Cameron, right? You like the feel. You like the weight, the, the, your grip on the – it's just the same thing with this. So losing a golf ball and losing the disc do not compare – you do not want to lose your disc. But it, when we're talking about warming up, normally they have a practice back, basket where you can putt. So I at least getting some putting in. If I'm warming up, I'm getting older, my body hurts after, I got to stretch. I take probably 10, 15 minutes to stretch, get my arms loose, get you know my legs loose, everything going on. And then I'm, I'm finding a field if there's a field, and I'm just picking a mark out in the distance where I'm just trying to – at that point it's not about necessarily throwing far as it is finding a point out in the field and – hitting that, hitting that what we would call a line, hitting that disc in the air. And so that's what I'm doing. I try to throw – what I'll try to do is throw my whole bag once, go there, and then throw my whole bag back. And by that time, I've got about, you know, 40 throws in, got 10 minutes, 5, 10 minutes worth of putts in. I feel like I'm ready. And then I'll throw – hit the first available tree on the fairway. Normally, that's how my tournaments go. <laughs> that's how my tournaments go. So so uh, in, in, in disc golf, is there a limited number of discs – that you can have in your bag because in regular golf, that's a good question. You can have fourteen clubs. You can have fourteen. You're talking about tour level, or is this any kind I'm of? I'm talking if you play in any handicap tournament or anything. Now, if you go out there on the weekend, you can have as many as you want. I'm sure. 
I am sure there is. There's um, 14 golf clubs, and I've always wondered, can you just carry like a whole duffel bag full of disc? So, I'm sure there is. And I'm going to be honest, I really don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure there is, and you got me. Um, there might not be. Um, that is a question I don't know. You got me there. I don't know how many. I carry – I'll tell you how many I carry. 20. I carry about 20. I carry about 20. And you say, well, that's a lot. Well, I've got two putters that I use to putt with, and I have about two or three more putters that I throw with. One does one thing, one does another, and so on. Then I have a few mid-ranges, a few fairway drivers, a few distance drivers, and then I have two of some disc or molds is what we call it. So, yeah, that's how – I'm going to say in, in between that, if you're tour level – they, which, I, they, which I'm not Which at Charlie all. is not. But I'm saying the top guys in disc golf probably know what they have to where they're playing. They're going to take what they need. They're not going to get out there and not have the one they don't need. Yeah. Some people, that is so true. Some people switch what discs they carry in their bag depending on the course. Which is the same way that happens in golf. Does yeah. it? Not. Uh, I don't know if it happens to the degree. Well, when you get into – are they going to carry a five wood or are they going to carry a two iron? Well, yeah, that's – yeah, tour level, yes. Yeah, I'm not talking about me and you. Yeah, your average weekend golfer is not going to take their two hybrid out and put a three wood in. No, you're right. You're right. So, but other than that – All right. Yeah, no, I get – that's a valid question. But, yes, I know – and there's some disc I'll leave out that I know I won't need. Some that I'm like, oh, I better get something for this that I know I'm playing this whole – anyway, good questions. Now, I need to ask y'all something. When we get to golf, now here we're talking really about the way to play this. When when we talk about traditional golf, when you get up there on the tee, we know you're initially trying to get the ball into the hole. I want to go over some of the nuanced things in golf that y'all do. That when you step up to a tee, what's going through your head? What what maybe what's some things similar to disc golf? I, obviously, distance I would feel like would be similar. Or what's some things different than when you're playing golf versus what I said when I was playing disc golf? What's some things that go through your head when you step up to that tee? Okay, so if I step up to a tee, and there are a lot of similarities. So distance is probably number one because you're not going to hit a driver on a par three. Um, the things that I look at is first distance, and then if the wind's blowing, you got to factor in the wind. Right. Is the wind in your face? Is the wind with you? All those things. And then if if you can see the green. Right. And you can see where the flag is, you're you're looking to see if there's a bunker and you're trying to get the best angle into the flag as you can. Right. So so a misconception I had, and I've played a few times, so I'm not I'm not completely, you know, ignorant to, to golf. But one of the things that I noticed was, especially with y'all that can do these, I cannot. But sometimes, based on the wind or what kind of shot, you're not just hitting a normal shot. I no. believe there's a, like a punch or a. Yeah. So, and th that's another thing too. If another thing that I forgot, if you've definitely if you've played there, like I've played my golf course enough to where if I'm going to miss it, I'm going to miss it on the right side. Right. You know what I mean. I think personally. That goes on. I do think there's an element to that in disc golf, and I might be wrong, and that might be why I lose tournaments. But I feel like in golf, 
that maybe goes on your miss. You're thinking about your miss more than you're thinking about your actual. Yes, shot. because at least for the average golf. Well, it's got to happen in disc golf because if you've got a if you've got a mando, you like that disc golf there. Oh, huh? how about the you, how about it? If you've got a mando that you got to get by, you're not going to miss it on the wrong side. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's a little different, but now mandos are something I guess y'all don't. No, there's no. That was a good Google word for you, bud. No, I know disc golf, son. Um, (laughs) So if I'm looking at a green, let's say we're on a par three. Obviously, if there's water in front, I don't want to miss short. Right. So depending on wind, depending on how far it is, all that, I may take another club just so I'm going to miss it long. Right. Right. If I you would club up. Right. If we and we use some of the funny things about the is we would use the term disc up or disc down, which would be your equivalent to clubbing up or clubbing down. Right. I I, I kind of get that from, you know, the disc golf background. So we just had an interjection from our producer, Brandon Wilson, that says there is no limit to disc that you can carry. I appreciate that. In tournament play. In tournament play, there's no limit. Is that does that go for the pro side as well? That's got to go for pros, yeah, because they follow all the. That's world. interesting. Huh, there is none. So just pile but, your truck full of discs. But here's the thing: <laughs> take them with you. You can't you can't take a truck. It's all on your bag or a cart. So I mean, you, it's essentially heavy. how much can you fit in your bag or cart? Caddy, get all these right here. Caddy. Um, so Aaron, you imagine someone just care. I mean, have the bag, have two grocery bags full of disc. I mean, have one in there. That would be. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have y'all caddy for me next So, time. Aaron, I'm sure yours is about the same. It, it is. I mean, you know, as far as going to the same golf course that we play all the time, we know what to hit when we're on whatever hole we're on. Um, and range finders. Does disc golf has range finders? That has come in. That has, and I don't. Because it's a big deal. It is a big deal. I think it's bigger in golf where the distances are, are further, but in, in – in disc golf, especially, like I said, you know, we're kind of talking about the more advanced pro players. That is become a big deal, especially if it's a course you've never played before. Um, and I feel like that's just kind of come into play bigger in the few last few years. Uh, Bushnell, I don't know if y'all know Bushnell. Bushnell's a huge sponsor. That's what golf range finders are. Y'all use Bushnell? Yep. I have a Bushnell. Now, also, here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Golf range finders are available – at most any course. Now, when you get to the pros, you can't use them. Wow. They can use them in practice rounds to I'd, get their yardages. But that's what their caddy knows as much about golf as they do. Right. They, they're they relying on their caddy for the certain yardage that they need to hit it. And them guys are so good. If it's 146 and they need to land at 142, they're going to land at 142. Wow. So, But they have to walk those distances off during their practice rounds. And you can't use them during tournament play. I did not know you could not use them if you were. There's broke. another thing that I used. I got the pleasure of playing Pinehurst last year. Thank you, Charlie, for not going on that trip. That's because I did not go. Um, I didn't deserve. Look, let's be honest. I didn't deserve to be there. <laughs> but that'd be like you going playing Maple Hill. Well, I was upset. I went and played Pinehurst, and I went with my preacher and his son for his birthday. Doesn't matter. But. Nobody knew the course, obviously, because nobody had ever played Pinehurst. So, I have an app on my phone that attaches to the grips of my golf clubs, and it shows you the whole course. Wow. It's like a GPS, so you know if there's a blind shot, you know how the hole goes, and plus, it has wind factored in, live wind. Hmm. So, if the wind's 17 miles per hour in my face, it's going to show me. So, that's pretty cool, and... 
you know, I mean, you couldn't do that for disc golf courses because there's so many of them. But so the more open the course is, the more wind plays a factor. I mean, it can play a factor in wooded courses and where you are at in the where you're at in the world. There's there's things. This is kind of off topic, but there's two things that I hate about golf: wind and rain. If the yeah. wind's blowing, I'll play. If it's sprinkling, I'll play. If it's raining and the wind's blowing, I ain't playing. Here, here, here's we, the question. This is off topic. Here, here's what I want to ask you, because I know what I'm going to say. I know exactly what I'm going to say. What would you rather play in, wind or rain? If you had to pick one to play in, which one would you rather play in? Aaron. Tell me the different – tell me how hard it's raining. Well, so, I mean, it's a steady rain. I'm not talking about, you know – but you're not downpour. talking about gale force winds either. No. I'm talking, you know, windy. I mean, I, I'm terrible at what, 30-mile gusts? Is oh, that's that pretty? That's way too much. Is that too much? I mean, we're talking like U.S. Open wind. Uh, U.S. Open open wind. British okay. Open wind. But uh, but if you had to pick one, say they were, if, if you could somehow say they were about the same on each scale, this amount of rain, this, this amount of wind, what would you rather play in? Rain. You would rather play in rain? Absolutely. I okay. would rather play in wind, and here's why. Because I can hold on to my golf clubs in the wind. Now, they do make rain gloves that the wetter they get, you can't let go of the club. But you have to dry your clubs. If you don't dry them, they get rusted. It's just a headache for me. So, Charlie, rain or wind? And disc golf or golf? Disc golf. And in dis- disc golf. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out and I'm going to speak for the majority of disc golfers. I think they would say – they would rather play in rain because think about it. A golf ball's that, you know, golf ball's not big. A disc is so controlled by the wind. They had a tournament this pat in Kansas, um, the dynamic disc open, and you should see the wind they're having to deal with and what it does to a disc. I'm telling you right now, I'd rather play in the rain. Now, most people would be very surprised at how much wind affects the golf ball, too. I mean, I believe it does. I really do. But I'm, I agree with you. It's not going to affect it like that, like, yeah. a, like a disc. Wind. And I feel like where wind hurts a disc golfer is on the putting, when we putt. If you're putting and there's wind coming towards that disc, what we a headwind, I guess you would say the same thing, it will rise that wind. If there's wind coming, a tailwind, it will drop it. It, it becomes so much harder on putting. I don't see wind really affecting the putt as much in golf as it would in disc golf. Well, would that be a fair I mean, assessment? I mean, it does. It does if it's blowing hard enough. Right, right. And depending on depending on if the greens are super fast. Right. If they're slower, it doesn't affect it as much. But I'm telling you, if it's blowing really hard, it does affect your putt. Yeah, I mean, I believe that. I just – I really think it would affect it more in disc I golf. would agree with that. Yeah. And, I mean, that's – and then that turns into psychological because you think the wind's blowing this hard – and it just gets all in your mind, and it's hard to putt and win if it's blowing hard enough. Yeah. You wouldn't believe it in disc golf. 15 footers, oh, 10 footers it. you make, just the wind will kill it. So, well, yeah. while we're talking about golf, um, I, I've got to throw up that this week is U.S. Open week. Yeah. I know that. No, let's dive, let's dive in. I want to do that. Let's dive into the pros. We, we can talk about the pros. Yeah. U.S. Open, Get real quick, before we do anything, who's your pick to win? U.S. Open. Who's your pick? Aaron. Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler. Now, he's – That's now, a chalk pick. I get it. Sc- Scotty Scheffler, he's already – what has he won this year? He's already won – is he the one that he won, won the, the Masters? He won the Masters. He's number one in the world. Okay. He's a young kid, man, and he's got it. He's got everything he's he needs. He's got it. Every tool in the bag. He's Anthony. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say this is Louis Oosthuizen-Gier to win a major. Louis Oosthuizen. Actually, he's won one. He's won, he's won an Open. 
and he's he's been right there in the top. And then my dark horse is Tiger because it's at St. Andrews. Oh, a dark horse. Tiger Woods. Yeah. I know him. Which well, he should never be a dark horse. Well, here's what we should talk about. It's not the Open. It's the U.S. Open. Tiger's not playing in the U.S. Open. Oh, I, that is – you're right. St. Andrews is a joy. That is a super dark horse pick. <laughs> yeah. I have never heard of He's anybody. not even going to play, so right. he definitely can't win. So wow. Let me, let me, you don't re- get let me retract that. that statement. <laughs> um, Give us a dark horse, though, since we're on it. I'm going to go Rory. That's not a dark horse, no, bro. No, 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 no. I'm saying I'm, I'm not talking about the Open anymore. I'm talking about the U.S. Open. My so, pick is Rory to win it. So – Everybody, listen. You need to understand these are identical twins, and they argue. They've done a good job so far, but if they, if you hear them punching, it could happen. I've seen it happen. I've been a part of it. Rory, your dark horse. Who's your dark horse? Well, I'm going to actually pick a dark horse because Rory is no, not. One. I just explained that I didn't. I messed up on the open, and I picked Tigers my dark horse. All right. Then I went. I said U.S. Open. My pick to win, not the dark horse, is Rory. Okay. All okay. Right? Uh, well, we settle. We don't have to do a dark horse if you don't want we to. Don't, I don't want to do it more dark like horses. It seems like it's a point of contention. Well, that's fine. I mean, okay. So wait, US- wait. No, I want to pick. Let me pick. Oh, well, pick. Let me think of one. Who plays? Um, <laughs> Who plays golf? Is U.S. Open? Is it a long course? It is a. You need to look it up. It's the toughest test in golf in the majors. It's the hardest it's one. Long, so you- it's long, rough. It's hard and firm. Fast greens. Bubba Watson. Does he still play? He does. He that's, won the Masters, the lefty, right? Yeah, yeah years, that's a years ago. Course. Years ago. <laughs> if he wins, if he wins, I'm posting this on this, and I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be. I'm going to be pretty excited. Bubba Watson had a really good showing in the PGA. That's what I. That's he what, did. That's why I picked. He him. played well. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. On Saturday, Sunday, he played well. So, now, let's go into the U.S. Open. Is in Brookline, Massachusetts. Does anybody have any idea what that means? I know the name it's, of the course is the Country Club. It is in Massachusetts. Uh, but so you it's won't old? know unless I tell you. All right, Paul Revere's there. In 1999, the Ryder Cup was held at the Country Club, in Brookline, Massachusetts. Hold on, I know what the Ryder Cup is. Now let me make sure I'm right. This the Ryder Cup is where U.S. plays the rest of the world. No, that's. The President's Cup. U.S. Sorry, U.S. plays Europe. That's so correct. every player in the in Europe gets team gets they are on the team playing. They, I don't know the format, but I, I know that not okay. every player in Europe they have to they have they captains have to, they have to do good enough to okay. actually be picked. Yeah, they have captains, and then they do have a couple captains picked, but it's points. It's points you get on the team. So okay. in 1999, it was played at Brookline, Massachusetts. Okay, USA. Won the cup, 14 and a half to 13 and a half. That's what I'm talking about. That's awesome. But here's the thing about it. The United States was down 10 to 6 headed into Sunday singles matches. So you have 12 singles matches. Format changes every day, It right? does. Yep. yep. So it's like four ball, and then you have um, four alternate ball, shot. Four ball being like a captain's choice. It's, it's a best ball. So it don't it matter. Is. It's just a different format. Right, it is. But then when you get down to Sunday, you have one-on-one. USA's down 10-6. to six. They come out and win the first six matches. Anybody still playing? Do you know if there's anybody that's still playing that night? 1999. Phil. Phil? Tiger. How about Phil and Tiger? Phil and Tiger. Um, Probably Payne Stewart at that time. Jim Furyk. But now he's on, the, he's on the Champions Tour now, but he still plays some majors. Oh, right. He's still playing. Um, 
But you got to think about that. The Europe's going to put out their their best six. The Europe. Not just Europe. Not, the Europe. Not Europe. The Europe. <laughs> the Europe. The Europe is going to put out their best six. The Europe team is going to try to clinch the cup. And tell me this, is the rest – it always seemed, and I might be so wrong here, it's always seemed to me like the U.S. has had the best golfers. But the rest of the world's catching up. Or have they caught up? Have they surpassed? Where, where is it now? Like, well, who's, who's number – is there a number one in the world? Who is number one in Scottie golf? Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler, American. Yes. But then you got other guys. I, I know Rory – Rory's not – I know you got a few. So, because so, that, that's an interesting – that's an interesting point that the rest of the world's kind of caught up with U.S. And that I might be wrong saying that. But there might be some saying, well, no, no, no. The you know Europeans have been really? around. Just one. Yeah. So, okay. This is what's interesting. In the disc golf world, we're starting – they're starting to have the last two big tournaments before this past one. You, you had Garrett Gerthy just won. The last – you know who won it? A German named Simon Lazat. Now, I believe he's really one of the only Germans on tour – but you're getting them Europeans, the Finnish are over there, the Swedish, they're over there, and they're, they're sending people over there. And the FPO and the ladies, um, Kristen Tatar is one of the girls that's come over. Europe has caught up, I believe, with America in the female, and I, th- I don't think they're far behind in the MPO, the male. So do, does disc golf have major championships? They do. They have This year they have four. I was actually privileged to go to the first, the inaugural Masters uh, Champions Cup, I believe, um, at W.R. Jackson in Appling, Georgia, which is where the IDGC, the International Disc Golf Center, is. They've got all these courses. Steady Ed's course uh, is there. But W.R. Jackson's what they played. And a local boy not far from here, Chris Dickerson, just right across the state line in Tennessee, he took it down. So, And they're coming up. They have World Championships. They have the USDGC, which isn't far from here in Rock Hill, South Carolina, right below Charlotte. Then the European Open. So there's four. They just got it this year with it. Just like traditional golf, they have four. Now disc golf has four. So I'm going to finish this, and you and you can get the world rankings. Um, going back to that Ryder Cup in '99. So they win the first six matches in a row, all first the first six. So it's ten to six headed into Sunday. Now it's twelve to ten. Now it's twelve to ten USA. At some point, the Ryder the the Europeans win two more, so it's 12-12, right? You have to have 14. I'm pretty sure that Europe had won before, so you have to have the half point to, to get the cup. And then Europe would only have to have 14 to retain the cup. Okay, right? I get you. I get you. So, they win. Europe wins the next two. Well, then Steve Pay and Jim Furyk both win, so they put the United States up 14-12. to 12. So, they need a half point. And I, I don't know if you've seen this video, but if you haven't, you need to watch it because it will pump you up be an American. So, Justin Leonard makes a 45-foot eagle correction, 45-foot birdie putt on 17. And he was playing against Jose Marie Alathobel. You remember him? No. But no. if you pronounce that right, I'm impressed. That is right. I don't know anybody you're saying besides Tiger and Phil, but okay. go ahead. So, there's a premature um, celebration on the green when Justin Leonard makes this putt. Because Alathobel has a putt to tie, Justin Leonard's up one. Okay. So if he makes this putt, then you know whatever. But they go into the last hole. But he makes that forty-five putt. All the Americans come on the green, and Alathobel's not even putted yet. So, so they were all mad because they had 
you know, stormed the green. And it, yeah. And, and it wasn't obviously mowed. probably walked all over his line to yeah. the, from the whole, to the, yeah. So all the double misses and it guarantees that Justin Leonard and the Americans win the cup because he can't do anything less than have, have the match. So this U.S. Opens where they're playing. Where That's that, where, yes. This wow, U.S. Open was, it is definitely I'm, some history. I'm going to interject something. If you watch that, you need to watch it if you haven't watched it. That's not the only putt Justin Leonard made. Like, the last two or three holes before that, he made birdie putts like crazy he stuff. He caught fire. He caught fire. I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. All right, so the world golf rankings out of the top 15 in the world as of June 12, 2022, there is nine Americans in the top 15. So still pretty. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Europe's not far, though. I mean, are, are they European? They might not be European. Well, they might you got be... John Rahm at number two, which is from Spain. Okay. You got Rory, which is from Northern Ireland, at right. three. And then you got Cam Smith, number six, from Australia. Victor Hovland. I'm not exactly sure where he's from. I think he's from Denmark or somewhere. And then Hideki Matsuyama is number 13, and he's from Japan. Nice. Number one in the world. Now, disc golf gets a little different because there are a lot of rankings. Um, number one in the world, I feel like, which they haven't been playing, so maybe some people wouldn't put him there. Maybe some people would put that Simon Lazat from Germany, number one, because he's one, two, back-to-back, big, what we call the Pro Tour. It's called the Disc Golf Pro Tour. That's like your PGA Tour. Um, you got him up there, and then you've got Chris Dickerson, just across the state line, just talking about them, and then Ricky Wysocki, who used to actually live in South Carolina, but I think he's moved. However, they're traveling all the time. He's dealt with Lyme. And then you got – one of the generational players, not having his greatest season, but Paul McBeth. You've, if you've watched anything disc golf in the last decade, you've seen probably Paul McBeth do something amazing. He's up there. Um, but, yeah, that, that's kind of where disc golf is with their kind of top lineup. Yeah. So, when you have a – you know, it would, be, it would almost be impossible for a normal person to play with a professional golfer. Like somebody that's well-known. Okay. Is that the same in disc golf? Well, so number one, I feel like you got to realize two things. Number one, these guys have not – they don't have the celebrity that a Tiger Woods does or Phil Mickelson does or even a Scottish Scheffler. Yeah, disc golf's growing, but it's not as mainstream, so it's not as a a big deal. Number two is – when you're playing in these tournaments, and if you're playing pro, so you might not be like a tour pro, but you might be a pro regionally, like in this area. If they come, for example, Chris Dickerson just played the Tennessee State Championships, and there was regional pros there. Guess what? They got to even be on his card, four to a card, four playing at a time, and they got to meet. A, I got to go and just spectate, be someone that watches. And I was standing, me to you, from Chris Dickerson. Even talked to him after the round. See, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it is really cool. It, it, and I and I and I like that. I'm a. I want to grow the sport of disc golf. Part of the reason doing the podcast. However, the the fact that disc golf has such kind of humble beginnings as far as you know where it's come from, being a new sport and getting the communities really tight knit. See, you say it's not mainstream, and it may not be, but for a disc golfer, yeah. You meet him; it's like you're meeting Tiger Woods. Yeah, for someone know? for someone who's invested in that sport as much as you are in golf. Yeah. So let me say this okay. on that. Let me piggyback off that just a tad here. So when you mean playing with the pros, when you tell people how good the pros are, they don't really understand. Like your average weekend golfer does not understand how good the guys on TV are. Is it the same way? 
Yes, and I think this is where we see a similarity because now a similarity in one way or another, and I'll explain what I mean. You, we don't understand how pro golfers are because we very rarely, y'all very rarely get to play a course that they play. And when you do play it, it might not have, and I, if my understanding is correct, the greens for a professional golfer are going to be a lot faster than just your average golf course, right? They're faster, but they're perfect. Yeah, they're perfect. But they are faster. The conditions of the course might be better. So when you're watching it on TV, you're like, man, I could hit that shot, but are, do you really understand the maybe the elevation they're hitting off of and all that thing, which the pro courses have? So there are – the good thing about disc golf is you kind of get to play those courses – but until you're there and you see them in real life and see how far they throw and how accurate they they throw, it, it's unbelievable. It's 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 really a treat to watch if you can understand if you understand the game. So the answer is, it's the same. Yeah, I, I would say it's the same. Maybe there's a little difference because w- the courses they play, a lot of times we as average disc golfers just have disc golfers have access. But there there yeah. So there's no course that they play that you couldn't go play tomorrow. And let now I will say this, especially here on the West Coast, you've seen these what they call temp courses where they'll use a golf course or a piece of property and they'll put a temp course on and it might just be there for like two weeks or a week before yeah. the tournament. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is unless you know Connolly's a Ross, you're not playing Augusta. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I get what there, you're there's saying. no courses like you if you don't know President Bill Clinton. Then you're not. I would say some of them pro tours are going to be hard to get on, but yeah. I, not that I don't know if they have something quite like the Masters. Right. I'm pretty sure they Augustus turned down a couple of big name people. Yeah, to play that golf course. Yeah, they don't care how probably, much money you have. Probably big time money as well. Oh, yeah. you I have to say, be. The difference is you have to be invited to be a member. Now there might be a course that I'm not. I don't know of, and if there is, tell me about it. If you're listening and you have the ability to get me on that course. I'll make the trip. Let's do well, it. Well, if you have dream course. Oh, dream course. Real quick. I know we're going long. Let's do this. Dream course. You could play one course. What would it be? Augusta. Augusta National. Augusta. 100%. Okay. What is yours? One that I have not played. It's it, Y'all won't know it, but it's called Maple Hill up in Massachusetts. They're about to have – they'll have a tournament here later in the year. Unbelievable tournament. I think maybe ranked number one in the world. I've also heard of some good ones out in Europe. I've ne- I don't know if I've seen any footage with them, but Maple Hills where I'm And I'm going to speak for most golfers on that. If you play golf, I'm going to say 95% would say Augusta. Now, there may be some people that would say Pebble Beach or something, St. Andrews, which is probably a big one. But right. most 90, 90%, 95% is going to say Augusta. I would agree with that. And if you go in there and put $5 million in front of them, they're not going to let you join. I would. So. I would say, I guess, that partially because I don't know, but maybe a handful of golf courses by actual name. But that's not – you can play Pebble Beach. It's just like 800 bucks. Yeah. Here's the thing. If I would, if I ever got the chance to play Augusta, I would want it to be in the conditions that the pros played in. You know, because they could slow the greens down. They could move the tees up. If I was going to get the experience, I would want the full experience to let everybody know how good I am not. You want the experience, the same thing, the pros. I get that. Yeah. I get that completely. All right, we got to move on. Um, good good talking points. So, real quick, I want to play – we had one segment, and let we'll cut – we're going to have to cut a segment. But I do, before we before we end, want to have a little fun. I want to I want to play a game, all right? Now, as a disc golfer, I have a game. And for the disc golfers listening, you'll know it. And I think you'll probably find some humor in them maybe not knowing it. So I told y'all there's 
four categories of disc, and some might argue not really, maybe more, I don't know. Four that I know of. There's a putter, okay? A putting disc. A putter, which is going to be your speed. The first number when you see the flight numbers on a disc, it's going to probably range from one to three. That's going to be your putters. Then you have your mid-ranges, kind of your, you know, still kind of fatter disc. That's going to range from numbers four, three, four, five, uh, in that area. Fairway drivers, your thinner disc that you can throw a long ways, but kind of still want to control, be able to control, those are seven, six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. Okay, and then distance drivers, anything over that. So what I'm going to do, now I want you all to talk it out. I want, I want to see what your reasoning is, people that are not disc golfers, okay? And y'all talk it out with each other. I'm going to give you, I got five here, and you need to tell me if it's a putter, a mid-range, a fairway driver, or a distance driver. Well, if you say Shrike, I'm going to know. You know a Shrike, okay? <laughs> he knows what a Shrike is. I do not know any. Okay, but maybe with the name of it, it'll give something away. So the first one I'm going to give you is a rock, a rock. R-O-C, spelled R-O-C, rock. Okay, just based on the name, I'm going to think if, depending on the size of the rock, a rock's going to be kind of hard to throw and it's not going to go very far. Okay. That's my logic to that. I would say that it's a putter. A putter. Okay. Okay. I like it. Is, is, a rock, is a rock the brand of the disc or is this the... So it's the mold. It's the type of disc. It's, it's the not type, the brand. It's, it's the, not like the manufacturer. Okay. It's the type of okay. disc. Um. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go driver. I'm gonna go distance driver. Okay, guess who gets the point? Yeah. Neither one of y'all. Oh. It's a mid range, oh. it, and it's one of the most. It's one of the most famous mid range. All right, so nobody gets a point with that one. Zero to zero. All right, here's the next one. A Luna, Luna, L U N A. Luna sounds like the moon. Luna sounds like it goes a long way. You think? You think Luna sounds like? Maybe. I mean, maybe they just done that to confuse people who don't know anything about it. But I think Luna probably goes a long way. I'm going distance driver. Okay. Could be right. Could be wrong. I'm, I'm gonna, Anthony? I'm going to go it's a putter. So Aaron's got distance driver. Anthony's got putter. Did you just go opposite end to him? No, I just, you know. Just have a gut I'll feeling? Just guess. All right. Anthony's right. It's a putter. It is a putter. And uh, it's uh, Paul Macbeth uses that putter. Uh, Luna made by Discraft. Rock made by Innova. Luna made by Discraft. Here's another one. River. River. Do I need to go through the categories again? Putter, mid-range, fairway driver, distance driver. River. Yep, a river. A river goes a long way. <laughs> Some don't. I mean, most, I guess they do. Yeah, most if, do. Yeah, if but it's a river. Most do. Was that a hint that it's not a driver? I'm just no. It was just it was a bad comment on what a river is. So I'm I'm zero for two. I'm gonna go driver again though. Distance driver. Okay. River, I'm going to say in the middle, I'm going to go mid-range. Mid-range. Neither one of y'all right. It's a fairway driver. All right, two more, two more. A slammer. A slammer. Yeah, slammer. Slammer. Seems heavy. I'm just going to stick with driver because I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. A, a slammer is It's 100% a mid-range. It is 100%. A putter. Oh Put an approach disc. All right. So, so far out of the five, four we've gone through, Anthony's got one right. He got the Luna was a putter. All right. Last one. I got to get it. Last get one. one. Now, I think you might have seen this one. This is a popular disc that sold a lot in like a Dick Sporting Goods Academy. A destroyer. Nope. Never seen one. A destroyer. 
Um, I'm going to go driver. Because <laughs> I have no Fairway idea. or distance? Distance driver. Distance driver. I'm going to go fairway driver. It is a distance driver. So yeah, that baby. gives, that well, gives me a... guess t- it every time, you're going to eventually <laughs> you're gonna get, get it. get it once. Well, All right, here I go. This is just shotgun. Break the tie. It, when I hear it, when I hear the right answer, this is to break the tie. So who's going to win first ever game on golf versus golf, disc golf version? Here we go. I'm going to give you the disc. You give me the mold. Got it? Wraith. Wraith. Driver. Yeah. Distance yeah. driver. It's a distance driver. So Anthony gets the win. It is a distance driver. Good job. All right. Real quick, I've got two questions for you on traditional golf, and then we can end it. Okay. okay. Yeah, we, we got to wrap it up. Two, right. two questions. All right. So what brand of ball okay. is the Z-Star? The Z-Star? Z-Star. Z-Star. So this is a little – because I have played golf a little more than y'all play disc golf. So Z-Star. Z-Star. Star is the moon. Tideless. What is tight? What is it? Tightless is a pro V, but I know they have other Callaway Z star. And I will give you a hint. It is a golf ball. It's a ball. <laughs> it is a ball. It's a well-known uh, a, a Z it's star. A, it is a, it is a top. It's a well-known ball. company. Top flight. No. Okay. Let you me, said top. I thought you were giving no, no, me no, a no, hint. No, no, no. no, let me give you some, let me give you some choices. Okay. Give me more. Tideless Callaway. TaylorMade, Strixon. TaylorMade. It is not TaylorMade. Oh, what is it? It is Strixon. I almost I was going to call it Strixon because I didn't know it was that. But it is Strixon, which right. a lot of people actually use now. Hideki Matsuyama uses their ball and their club. Brooks so, Kepka uses his ball. Uses their ball. Okay. All right, last one. Who makes the P770 irons? P? P770 irons. And I'm just going to guess. I'm gonna, because, it's not Let pink. me interrupt you. It's not pink. Ah, I was going to say ping because it's P. Um, Titleist, Callaway, TaylorMade, Bridgestone. Yeah, I know it's not Bridgestone because you thought about Bridgestone. It's not Bridgestone. I'm going to say Callaway. No. What is it? It's TaylorMade. Snap. Well, that was fun. I am out of the loop on those, but that was fun. Um, I appreciate y'all listening to us tonight we didn't get to cover everything we're definitely going to do another one of these they might be weekly they might be bi-weekly they might be monthly we're just going to see hope you enjoyed it if you did enjoy this podcast if you have a friend that's a disc golfer that's trying to get into golf or a golfer that's trying to get in disc golfer or somebody who does nothing it just wants to listen to us ramble for a little bit please share this with them leave a positive review um, if, if you enjoyed it, if you didn't enjoy it, scroll on to the next podcast, I guess. That's all I have to say. Um, also, the logo you're going to see was made by my wife, uh-huh. and yes. who also has a small business, Sweet D Designs and Calligraphy. Is she our first sponsor? She is our first sponsor. Because she made the logo and just gave it to us for free. So She made the logo. Actually, so, I paid a little bit for it. Say it one more time. Sweet D's Design and Calligraphy. Where can they look that up? Instagram, Facebook. It, Instagram or Facebook, Sweet Sweet D's Design and Calligraphy. Thank you for our very first sponsor. Another shout-out to Brandon Wilson, as we like to call him, B. Willie. Thanks again. Until next time, go swing a club or throw a disc. We're out.